You know, it was awesome last night to be out uh, to uh, hear Morgan sing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there, that's working. Awesome. It, you know, it's incredible, right? You know, when, when I hear Morgan sing, I'm thinking, these places don't know what they're missing. Like, right. uh, not just with Sam as well, not just good talent, incredible, awesome talent. And so it was real fun to be out and encourage you and encourage ourselves with your singing. Right. And so, and, and uh, to hear a little bit of a plug there for God and for our church here in Burlington is very encouraging. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. So today I'm going to talk about uh, something that I think is I need a lot and uh, hopefully maybe you can tag along with me in my journey for really wanting to have that willing spirit. You know, I think back to the very first day that I went to school. Now, I lived in Alaska and we had had a flood in our town, a very bad flood. You know, it was it was like a Missouri or, you know, style flood where the water was, you know, 15 feet deep, and so we had to leave our house. The, the, the insulation doesn't do so good in the house to get flooded that bad, so we have to fix it. Because in Alaska, uh, it makes uh, Vermont look warm in the winter. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, we moved to another city, to Anchorage, uh, for a couple months, so I, I started kindergarten there. And, you know, in Alaska, when you don't have a lot of money, uh, not unlike Vermont, you only get one winter coat. <laughs> and so, especially when you're five, you know, and you're going to be, you know, not going to wear that coat next winter, of course. And so in Alaska, it's so cold, you get a big winter coat, right? And so you have to wear that even when it's a little cold. Like, you know, today you'd be wearing your big winter coat because that's the only one you got. And so I was ready to go to school. So I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, before anybody got up. And I got dressed and I made myself my breakfast and I put on my boots and I put on my coat and I was ready to go to school at five o'clock in the morning. Ready to go. I, I was excited. You know, my parents weren't awake and you know, nobody was awake. They're like, what is the matter with you? You're up so early. You're so eager. You're so you're so willing to go to school. You're so excited about it. And it was a, it was an interesting day. I think I've told about, you know, missing my bus stop on the way home. But uh, <laughs> But, you know, fast forward to my last day of school in college. Now, in college, I I made this mistake of taking language courses, and they, for some reason, thought they could get away with you coming in at 8 o'clock in the morning. And so I I hated that. And so by my senior year, I had really calculated and structured it. You know, Jenna and I were married by then, and so I did not have any class before noon. My last semester, senior year, and I did not have any classes on Friday. So I had gone from, and, and you know, I I don't know if I hated school. I, I hated school, <laughs> you know. And I, I literally, I graduated by the by the skin of my teeth. I barely passed the freshman chemistry course. I had to pass to graduate, and uh, so it, that's all that. So I wasn't a very willing student. My last day of school. It was a big change. You know, really, I was transformed by my schooling experience to be unwilling. You know, sometimes it can be that way spiritually, right? You know, here, you know, David's writing in Psalm, and he's reflecting on, you know, in Psalm 51, you know, you can take a peek at it as you're, as you're reading it in your Bible now, or catch up on it a little later, but it's, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. It's, it's an understatement to say this is a low time in David's life. <clears throat> you know, he, he, he's had a really, he's really messed up. You know, as you read Psalm 51, he really talks about that. <clears throat> um, it's really a low point in his life. You know, he's asking God, he started reaching back to God and say, God, just create a pure heart in me. <clears throat> you know, bring me back to that, that steadfast spirit that I once had. Renew me. You know, don't kick me out. You ever felt that way? I think I'm going to get kicked out here. You know, I, I'm, I've done something. I've thought something. I, I think I'm going to do something that's so bad that I'm just going to get kicked out. You know, it, it'll be all over. And he's asking, you know, God, don't kick me out. Just help me to skip back to that joy of the salvation that I once had. You know, give me that, you know, sustaining spirit. Do you ever feel that way in your relationship with God? You know, you're just God. Just give me a pure heart. You know, it, it's so easy to be unrighteous, it's easy, right? Yeah. You know, it's all around us. It's not hard. It's it's banging at our door. It's, you know, it's easy for me to be angry. Well, I have a perfect wife, great kids, so maybe not so hard, but but I find ways to be angry even in the midst of that, you know. I was thinking, you know, I love my kids so much, and so when Jeremy said he was friends with my kids and with my kids' friends, that automatically, I'm a little bit like God. That makes... Him, my friend. You know, he knows my kids and my kids' friends. So you're my friend, you know. Anything you need, you're my friend. You know, I'm not angry at you, by the way. <laughs> but it's easy for me to be selfish. Anybody find that easy? I'm very easy. Oh, the last piece of cake. I think that's mine. I think I felt a little bit this morning. You know, we had uh, Jeanette made oatmeal, blueberries, baked, awesome, you know. And it was a little last. So I, I, I found myself, I actually left a little bit for Dave. To eat, um, but I was very tempted just to eat the whole remaining mine. You know, <clears throat> easy. You know, easy to, to be selfish to think that way. <clears throat> you know, it's easy to uh, you know to be prideful. Yeah. I, I know that. I, I got that down. <clears throat> Not a problem. I, I, I can figure that out. I'm good enough, smart enough. Doggone it, people like me, right? <clears throat> you know, it's it's easy to be in a hurry or to be. It's easy to be lustful. Hey, you got something I want? I want that. <clears throat> I should be able to have that. You know, those, those things are easy to, to get to. You know, but it, it's harder to have a steadfast spirit. You know, I looked up in the dictionary, because sometimes that helps to figure out what a word means. And it just said, you know, it's, it's steadily directed. It's steadfast. It's a gaze going in one direction. You know, it's firm in purpose. It's resolute. It's faithful. It's attached. You know, like, like a person who has a steadfast friend, you know, unwavering as a resolution. It's, it's, it's adherence. You know, being willing, you know, cheerfully consenting or ready. And that's what I want to dig in a little bit today on is this idea of a willing versus an unwilling spirit. You know, David had gotten to the point where he was aware of his blatant sins. Now, you, you feel like you've got blatant sins. Uh, he had committed adultery. He had committed murder. He had betrayed his best friend. He'd been unfaithful to God. You know, that's a pretty big list of unfaithfulness, right? You know, and I think he was finally shocked. At this time, and he realized that there was a root cause to these deeds, these things going on. You know, he realized that he had lost his willing spirit. He didn't want to do it anymore. He was like me as a senior in college. I don't want to do school anymore. I'm done with this. I just want to squeak out. If I can squeak out with a D minus, I'm good. You know, just being honest, that wasn't my attitude when I was putting on that 
down coat uh, at five years old. Very different attitude. And you know, none of us are beyond the point of becoming like David. We need a willing spirit to sustain us. Now, David understood, you know, what had what had set him up to get him in trouble. So, point number one. We've got to understand the difference a willing spirit makes. So first I want to talk about a willing spirit. You know, he needed... Um, let's see what i got here. So David started out, uh, if you're turning in your Bible to 1 Samuel 17, he started out with a, a very different uh, attitude toward obeying and following God. You know, if you start off in verse 33, just to give you a little recap of David. This is David, I think, you know. It looks cool. I don't know if it was quite that close up. Hopefully not. But, you know, you know they had, maybe they had uh, he was an illustrator back then that captured that. But you know, David, if you think about it, he was anointed to be king. All of it, they went by his brother and says, bring up the oldest brother, not good enough. Bring up the next brother, not good enough. Bring up the next brother. Now that's not the one. Bring up the, the runt, David, the, the shepherd guy. Oh, he's the one. Really? You sure? He's the one. I like that. I'm the youngest child. You know, it's fun. I, I like the idea of the youngest child. <clears throat> but then they, they, they sent him up to be with the king. And so David, as a young man, uh, was the armor bearer to the king. Now someone later talks about him putting on the armor. He knew what the armor looked like. He, he helped move it around. <clears throat> you know, he played the harp. You know, he's the one that helped uh, King Saul get rid of his evil spirits by playing music for him. And he was sort of in this gig where he went and he spent time with the king. He spent time back home, you know, working with his father, shepherding, you know, protecting the the flocks and stuff. You know, he was uh, at home. His brothers had been, you know, the ones, remember, who weren't worthy. They got set up to be soldiers. So they were up there, you know, fighting the Philistines. And dad said, hey, hey, uh, David, go up, you know, take some food to your brothers. It's like, okay. I'm king, you know. I mean, I don't know. He didn't say that, but he's been anointed. He's the, he is the, uh, the uh, heir apparent to the throne, right? And he goes up there, and uh, he gets there, and, and his brothers weren't even very nice to him, uh, you know. But it says that uh, he did not want this pagan Philistine to make fun of his god. <clears throat> and they said, well, you, you know, you're just a runt kid. Yeah, look, I, I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Ryan. I'm pretty sure that, you know, you know, Ryan has probably killed a bear, and if he had a chance, he would have killed a lion too, you know. Um, he says, I'm not afraid of that. You know, and then the king in the passage puts on the armor. Well, here, wear my armor, take my sword. It's like, this is not working. Huh? I'm not big enough to uh, wear your armor or use your sword, you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I've got five stones ready to go. And I think even this picture, I, I imagine the stones as being smaller. I imagine them being about this big. You know, so imagine five stones here. And that's a backup. Because I really only, with God with me, I only really need one stone. But, you know, I'm going to be careful here. I'm not going to be prideful. I'm going to take five stones and a sling and God. And so it says in, uh, in 1 Samuel 17, it says, As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. These are running quickly. No armor, no sword. Five stones with you in your pocket. Hopefully one's in the sling, ready to go. And uh, it says he ran quickly to the battle, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling 
and stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Do you remember having the spirit that God will do anything he needs to do? You know, I was laughing when Mike said we need to buy it. If God wants him to win the lottery, this will be the ticket. Well, God really wants him to win the lottery. He'll get it without a ticket. That's pretty awesome, right? I just found this on the way out of the building. Somebody threw it away. Oh, look, it's the winning lottery ticket. Thanks. <laughs> you know, thanks, God. You know, <laughs> I will. I'll be looking. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, David, all his life, could look back to this time. He remembered the time when he had a willing spirit. <clears throat> he remembered that he had relied on five stones and God. You know, we, we remember sometimes, you know, in, in days past, we had a missionary challenge where it was, uh, you know, I think we called it the two suitcase challenge or the one suitcase challenge. One suitcase. Just get out of play with your one suitcase and go somewhere to preach the word, you know. And we have we have folks here who have taken up the one suitcase challenge. I mean, Jeanette and I moved here. We took up the two moving truck challenge, you know. And so uh, that's another sermon uh, to talk about that. But... Um, you know, many have come here with that. You know, we also called it the, the go anywhere, do anything, give up everything. Whatever God wants me to do. God says, go kill the uh, Goliath with five stones. Okay, <clears throat> now we'll go do it. You know, I was thinking of Rob taking up the 23-year challenge, you know. You know what it is? 90? How long have you been here? 20, yes, that's 23 years. So others have taken up a two-year challenge and have extended. Others have been, you know... In, as a ministry intern and have stayed that's awesome you know that's what uh, it says but do you still have the willing spirit to do what God's calling you to do today to do today you know sometimes I hear well that brother or that sister is young and idealistic and I reflect and I say you know what someone who's young and idealistic never says they're young and idealistic <laughs> hmm. only people who are trying to explain why they're not like that like me would use that kind of expression <laughs> You know, because we use it to explain away our own old and non-idealistic, unwilling heart. And I think that for me, the prayer is, you know, God, please restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. You know, how long has it been since I sounded foolish by my faith in God? Where are your five stones in your foolish pursuit of God? So that's a willing spirit. Let's look at Samuel now as he sort of shifts to an unwilling spirit. Look over in in 2 Samuel 11. You know, he says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanliness. Then she went back home. So David's king, a little different position than when he was uh, young David against Goliath. He was king, and, and the king's job was to go lead the army. Now, even with Saul, Saul was there with the army fighting the Philistine. Here, David's home. He stayed home. 
You know, he didn't go out to battle physically. He certainly didn't go out to battle spiritually. He just stayed home. You know, he was that 21-year-old me, unwilling to learn, unwilling to go to school. He was unwilling to do what God called him to do. See, an unwilling spirit sets us up either to be obedient to God, to follow Him, to repent of our sins, to do what He wants us to do, or or an unwilling spirit sets us up to disobey God, to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, where at that time it becomes easier to sin. Maybe even easy. You know, what do I want to do more than anything else? Do I want to serve God or do I want to serve myself? That's the willing spirit versus the unwilling spirit. And so point number two is God requires a willing spirit. Let's go over to Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, Philippians 2 is a phenomenal passage. So he just starts off in the beginning of Philippians 2 and says that we're to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. Now, if that's not a showstopper, that's that's pretty incredible, right? right? Just, you know, whatever you do, just have the same willing spirit, oh, the same attitude that Jesus had, and you'll be fine. Okay, now... What do I do? That's, just, that's, that's the high bar, right? But he says, you know, as you've always obeyed, and you're, I know you're going to do it when I'm not around, but God is working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now, at times, acting is pretty easy. You know, like being at church, it, it's easy to come. And I'm not saying you're acting, but I'm saying doing the, the good things that God desires. So singing, praying, worshiping God. It's easy to be spiritual in this group. It's easy to, to just to worship God here right now. But sometimes it, when it, it's harder is when, you know, there's times when you just don't have the willing spirit to do it. But to will and to act. So I always translate that in my mind. He's going to give me the want to. And the ability to act, to do something. God's going to make me able, but he's going to make me want to do it. He's going to make me want to be there. He's got to want to make, because it's, as you might have noticed, it's not always, you know, fun and games. It's not always fun times, right? Sometimes being a disciple of Jesus is hard. Now, sometimes it's hard to do the right thing when no one around you is doing the right thing. Sometimes, you know, oh my goodness, you have to tell the truth. How much... How much problems did I have over this summer? Not problems, but, you know, in looking for a job when I, I don't lie. So I don't lie when somebody asks me a question. I don't lie on my resume. I don't even shade it. And so I'm up against people that lie and they get away with it. It's like, okay, that's all right. Uh, I've decided that my attitude is I want to be like Jesus. And, he, you know, that's, that is the standard. You know, it's, and it's not that I really want to lie. You know, it's but uh, but it's much easier to do to have to toe that line because I have the standard, the desire to be like Jesus, to will and to act according to his good purpose. You know, I think about that as you as you know, with David, he, he as he restored his ability to to really want to and to obey, it became easier. I know for me, sometimes it's when I look at um, things I've done, you know, some some of you um, may be able to relate to me. Sometimes I sin. You know, oftentimes, and uh, sometimes I, I say things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I think things I shouldn't say. Sometimes I do things I shouldn't do. And sometimes it's easy to look and say, well, it's not really my fault. It's, 
it's Jeanette's fault. You know, she's just not right here. I'm right. She's wrong. And, uh, and I trust me, for those of you that are married, that, that never works to take that approach. <laughs> it's not a good strategy because uh, I'm always wrong to some degree and I do need to repent. But it, I often think about this scripture here in, in 2 Corinthians. You know, because Paul's writing, and he'd written to them before. I think there's even a letter we didn't get in between first and second. But it says, even if I cause you to sorrow by my letter, verse 8 of chapter 7, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. You became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. Can you imagine if our legal system worked this way? That anybody who had done something wrong just showed up and said, here's everything that I've done. Here's how it was wrong. Here's the laws I've broken. Here's the punishment that I need to have. In fact, go beyond that. Give me more justice than I deserve. You know, there would be no more courts. You know, that, you know, prisons would be easy to show up, lock yourself up, and, and you're there. You know, it's all resolved. You know, but... But that's not that's not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow doesn't doesn't do that. We don't go, oh, man, you know, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I think I'll just go put myself in jail. We don't do that. We say, no, I was right. I was right to stay home when I sent the men out to battle. I'm king. I can have any woman in the country I want. If I want Bathsheba, I can have her. And that's the way the law is. When you're king, you're king. But that wasn't right. That was he, he had he didn't even have worldly sorrow to begin with, you know. As you re, as if you remember the story, Nathan comes to him and says, "You're that guy." He says, "I am." <clears throat> he was shocked. He was shocked. He had no idea. Most of the times when I sin, I, I have some idea. You know, I know I've learned over time that it's not good to be prideful and angry. You know, like if I find myself raising my voice with somebody else, like a clerk or someone in traffic or thinking something in my head, I know that's not a good thought. I don't really I don't necessarily need someone to reveal to me that that's a bad thing. But what I do need, though, is I need godly sorrow because, see, my worldly sorrow just doesn't do it for me. I just am like, okay, I just won't do that again. How good does that work typically? Oh, I just will do that again. It works okay to a degree, but it, you know, but when I get to the point, you know what? I didn't hurt that person, and I may have, but I hurt God. I did something that God didn't want me to do. I wasn't being eager. I wasn't being willing. I wasn't being steadfast with God when I went there. I was being steadfast with myself. You know, I needed, I needed to bring about a godly sorrow that that's earnest. You know, it's eager to clear myself. You know what? I want to change. I want to be different. And I really believe that David became different in his end, end of his life. I think he changed. You know, it's stunning when you look through the New Testament how many times Jesus even talks about being in the lineage of David. You know, how God had prophesied that David would be a man after his own heart. Wow, that's encouraging. A man that is that bad 
you know, you know, I look me and David. I think you know, David worse than me. You know, I don't know, but I tend to get encouragement by that. That yes, I too, I too can repent. I can change. I can have a willing spirit uh, to really bring it into my life if I'm willing to be let godly sorrow come. If I'm willing to be earnest. I'm willing to be indignant. I'm willing to be alarmed. I'm willing to long. You know, I'm not going to defend my sin. You know, when, when we, I sit down and say, you know, I did this, and you know, and you say back, well, Peter, that was really bad. I'm not going to go. Well, it wasn't really that bad. I mean, I'm not going to do like I did. Well, it wasn't as bad as David. <clears throat> you know, no, I was. You know, Paul said, he, Paul called himself, I'm the worst of sinners. Right. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, that's more humble than I, I have been at times. And, you know, I just want to see justice done. What's the justice I want to see? I want to be right before God. Whatever it takes to change, whatever he wants me to do, whatever I need to, to go to make him happy, that's the things that I want to do. You know, it made me think of a song this morning, you know, and I won't sing it. You know, I hear God singing to me. Do you hear God singing to you saying, you know, brother, sister, this is what I want you to be eager to do. This is where I want you to go. You know, create in me a pure heart, O oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. <clears throat> then I'll teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back from you. You know, think about your first day following Jesus. You know, as Jeremy shared about his first days studying the Bible and learning what he needed to change and repent, his willing spirit, think about your day-to-day. You can have that same spirit of renewal. You can have that same fresh spirit. You know, David was a man after his own heart. He chose God's own heart. He chose to have a willing spirit to let God in his life. So today I encourage you, I challenge you, put your five stones in your pouch. Think about how what the willing spirit that God wants you to do, and go do it. Amen.